everyone and a very warm welcome to menopause the good the bad and the downright sweaty i am here in my lovely co-host sophie's new house so it might sound a little bit echoey because she has this gorgeous kitchen diner which we're sitting in at the moment (laughs) which is really quite bare (laughs) we just have this vast space around us (laughs) so hello soph and happy new home thank you it's Mm. been a it's been a very busy couple of weeks Mm. so uh, hopefully eventually the next time you come round, it will be we might have some more furniture Ah. We're currently sat at some bar stools, so if you uh, hear a big thump, it's me falling off the chair, which has <laughs> happened once before, so I cannot guarantee that it won't happen again. <laughs> well, at least we know what the noise will be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good to know, lovely. So what's our plan today? We're going to talk about menopause and relationships, the ups and the downs. So this is going to be kind of part three of our menopause and relationship series, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. you and I spoke in the first one together um, about how things were for us generally. Mm-hmm. Um, we then roped poor Stephen and Martin. <laughs> so Stephen is Sophie's partner. Martin's my husband. Um, we roped them in to talk about their experience of living with us experiencing menopause they were very kind weren't they they were very kind they were excellent they were brilliant yeah they were excellent they yeah they were great um but today we wanted to talk a little bit more about perhaps the more intimate side of this Mm. and how it how it was for us and that confidence as well yeah and kind of hopefully that will help some of our lovely listeners to realise that A, they're not on their own um, and B, that there is hope of working through it because I think we both felt, you know, having discussed it with you, we both felt at one time that maybe there wouldn't be. Definitely. And I fair? think a lot of women still now find talking about sex and intimacy quite difficult. Mm. Um, because they feel like it's just them and I definitely had the impression that everyone was having the most rampant sex life ever <laughs> and that it was just me that was experiencing kind of the issues that I was having that led to probably I'd say a bit of a void in our relationship for, mm. for a time mm. you know I don't think relationships are all about sex and mm. um, they're about so much more yeah but I think you can go through a bit of a grieving process mm. if you lose your confidence or Mm. lose your libido um or as a result of menopause find intimacy and intercourse especially really uncomfortable Mm. um you you can feel a real sense of i think for you as well lovely you know kind of it was tough for me at 44 45 for you you know you were so young yeah and i think Kind of being the age that I am, and especially with social media as well, I don't mm. think that helps. Um, it's definitely, and I'm obviously in quite a new relationship. I was like going to say, you're Stephen. in a really new relationship. Yeah, so we only met in 2017, mm. um, which, you know, it's that when you first get together, you kind of have those those months or a year where mm. everything's really very exciting and new. The lust and, months. Yeah, and you're just completely <laughs> lustful and can't keep your hands off each other. And yeah. For us, the reality was different because mm. obviously we've spoken before that I was very honest with Stephen straight mm. away about 
kind of what what was happening and what was going to happen that mm-hmm. I was going to have the hysterectomy and oophorectomy. Um, but as I said before, like nothing could have prepared us for how it impacted me afterwards, mm-hmm. just how poorly I was uh, physically initially and then mm-hmm. mentally. Um, and then now it's kind of gone back to more of a physical barrier for us as to why we can't be as intimate as we'd like to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is hard. I'm, I'm not, I can't dress it up or say that it's not mm-hmm. because it's, it definitely puts a strain on where you have moments for me it's my confidence as well that I've gained a lot of weight in confidence in yourself yeah, yeah. and my, my body image and, yeah um if you don't feel sexy or don't feel mm. attractive then it's very hard to to kind of think that anyone else could yes is yeah. that how you is that how you felt um so for me I suppose <laughs> my sort of my initial so okay so I had been um because I hadn't been particularly well for probably a few months before my surgery, um, everything had really been focused on how we were going to get me better. I think that was kind of the, that was sort of where we were. And because I felt rubbish, you know, kind of there was, um, you know, he was brilliant and there was, there was a lot of hugging. Um, but there wasn't a lot else because most of the time I was either too tired, too introverted, mm-hmm. um, definitely kind of not in a place to have any kind of intimate physical relationship. What I really wanted was I really wanted, I just wanted him to be there. I just wanted support, um, which, you know, as I say, you know, kind of he was amazing. But then after <laughs> After the surgery, um, so anybody who has had, you know, the same surgery that you and I have will know that you're generally, it's quite significant surgery for a start. Um, You're left with quite a big scar, which can be quite sore, but I also had the addition of a catheter. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) You had one too? (laughs) Okay. This does not a good look. Okay. It's not the most attractive thing in the world, is it? Um, so unfortunately, because of my, because of the lesions, my endometriosis lesions, um, not lesions, lesions, <laughs> um, I had um, the team that were doing my surgery, certainly not on purpose, but they nicked my bladder. Mm. Um, so I needed to have a catheter, um, which, you know, as you and I were discussing earlier, it's kind of... It's just not a, I just it's not this, a good look. <laughs> this moment in hospital where I'd, I'd had a reaction to the morphine and um, there was a bit of an exorcist moment <laughs> in my bed. So Stephen arrived on the ward and I kind of had managed to get up and I was standing there with my gown on, no pants on, so you could see my bum because the gown wasn't big enough. <laughs> so I had this big gap at the back. And then I had my catheter hanging down, which is, you know, it's, it's a tube with yep. with wee. With wee in it. There's <laughs> no nice way of saying it. And a it. bag. And it's like <laughs> bag of weed is dangling around. And he just held me in his arms and gave me a hug and said, you're just so beautiful. And I remember thinking, really? What? <laughs> are, you, like, are you for real? And at that, did you realise at that point that this was a keeper? Yeah. <laughs> I knew that before, but I just thought, wow, I just remember thinking, he must really love me. Wow. <laughs> because 
Oh, I, I just looked. <laughs> I looked blooming awful. Oh, bless you. But it's... I don't know if you found with Martin seeing you that way. I, I think that, for me, was the beginning of me kind of coming away and coming home and thinking, how can he find me attractive at the moment? Because he's seen me in such mm. a pit... I, I was quite pitiful at the time yeah. because I'd... You know, because I'd had the exorcist moment with the sick, I probably mm. reeked a bit as mm. well. And I just... I remember kind of thinking there on after, like, I'm just not attractive anymore. I had this huge scar mm. that um, was a 12, about a 12 inch incision because mm. they had to mm. go quite, yeah. quite big. Um, and I was walking around like the hunchback of Notre Dame because it hurt too much. Yeah, because you can't stand, stand up, up straight, straight can you? So you're like, yeah, you're you can't stand over. up straight. Um, I, quite often hadn't didn't wash in the first few weeks because mm. it was just too much god it stings to pee it doesn't really, it yeah. when it, they take the catheter out oh my god it's like your <laughs> vagina's on fire or your whole nether regions jane would correct me there um and also trying to go to the toilet as well after major yeah. surgery like yeah, opening yeah. your bowels that's and it's like really no-no. that's just what i need after having a major incision like, is thanks. to try to go to the loo yeah thanks a lot but you don't you don't know any of that before really do no, you probably just as well really no, lovely isn't no, it? no 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 i mean i know what you're saying but i think i i think it is i think for you guys because it was and you asked you know you're still you're still, still a young days. relationship Whereas, you know, I've been with Martin for years and, you know, kind of he'd, bless him, he'd seen me in a kind of similar state some years earlier when I had to have major abdominal surgery for something else. Um, So I guess if it had been, if I'd have been in a similar situation to you, I'm sure I would have felt that. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because I wonder what our listeners are experiencing in their own relationships whether you're in your you know whether you're in your 30s 40s 50s 60s and onwards i think new relationships can be tricky anyway and And then then throw menopause yeah and then you throw menopause in so Mm -hmm. if anybody is experiencing you know in menopause experiencing a new relationship we would love to hear from you um and we'd also really love to hear from anybody who would like to come on and talk with us about their experience of dating mm-hmm. and being in menopause. So kind of logistically, we kind of need you to be probably in beds, bucks or hearts somewhere because that's kind of where we are. Um, but I think it would be really useful to, Definitely. you know, because, um, you know, you guys live together Martin and I have been married forever. Um, it would be nice to hear from somebody who's experiencing that at the moment and get their take on it so that we can we can share that with the audience. So definitely. So if you can contact us on our Instagram page, which is the underscore menopause underscore podcast. I always have to say the underscore now. <laughs> or you can email us on hellomenopausepodcast at hotmail.com. Well done. <laughs> I said the wrong one last time. Fabulous. Um, Then, yeah, we'd absolutely love to hear from you. That would be really useful. I think going through what, especially Diane and I have been through with the surgery and Mm. kind of the the trauma after that, it can then, in your recovery stage, where you're just in pain or uncomfortable, um, especially for me, I had really intense hot flushes afterwards and Mm. I actually couldn't bear to be touched. Mm. And... 
looking back, I think that must have been really hard for Stephen because he was trying to hug me. Comfort you. And just, you know, just kind of get some affection from me as mm. well. And I was so hot mm. and so sweaty. I was like, oh, no, don't touch me. Mm. And actually, that's quite a hurtful thing to say. Like, yeah. Because, you know, he said he felt a bit rejected at times. But it could be quite isolating, couldn't it? Yeah, and just actually they need comfort as well because seeing seeing somebody you love go through such a horrible time and especially I was very much um I can't think of the right way to describe it but I guess in like post-surgery shock where I I probably needed a lot of reassurance Mm. and how do you generally reassure someone you try and hold them or hug them and Everything that Stephen tried to do, I probably just pushed him away. Yeah, I mean, I would say pretty much the same. You know, it, for me, it wasn't the it was I wasn't really experiencing terrible hot flushes. I had kind of the odd one, um, but I was, I think I was really nervous that you know, kind of any touching might be oh my goodness more. And don't get me wrong, you know, kind of if I'd have said oh that's you know kind of I can't I can't do any more than that you know sort of as I say he's he is and always has been brilliant but you know sort of I think I kind of put up a bit of a barrier because I was I'd also I was also so scared Mm. I was so scared that you know sort of and obviously you know you and I have spoken before and we've spoken here that sex is so much more than intercourse but Actually, I was so terrified that it was going to hurt. Because of, <laughs> and because of all the internal... Obviously, externally, you and I both would have had... that. I had staples. You would have had a lot of stitches. Yeah. But it's the internal ones yeah. that you cannot see. Yeah. So did you have your cervix removed? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. I did too. So obviously, you it, know, kind of your cervix is at the top of your vagina. That's gone. It's now been sewn up. To it's be kind quite of, graphic... Wow. I, I was really worried that because my cervix was removed that it would be a case of <laughs> it would go in just to this darkness space in <laughs> void and just be like waving around <laughs> and I remember saying to my best friend I mean bless this is kind of a compliment to Stephen but what if it touches my intestines <laughs> <laughs> just waving around but no one had actually but no said one to me you. Yeah, like this, no. when we remove your cervix cervix this is what happens yeah this is what's left yeah this is how everything works this is what it looks like yeah and yeah. that would have been really helpful to have been told because like you you get petrified mm. and so worried and thinking well, what happens where does it go mm. and it's kind of it's quite a difficult thing to talk obviously we're talking about it to to you guys but it's it's the sort of thing that does cross women's minds especially but wouldn't it been helpful for both of us if a we'd have known that way before our surgery if we'd have been taught about all that stuff Mm. and b if somebody had sat down with both of us before our surgery with a diagram and said this is what right this is what we're removing this is what it looks like now. This is what it's going to look like afterwards. Mm. This is how long we expect your recovery to be. You're an individual. Yours might be a bit shorter, a bit longer, etc. But if a healthcare professional had said, "Okay, so what sort of relationship are you in? Yeah, are you in a are you in a heterosexual relationship? Are you in a relationship with another woman?" 
you know, this is what the effect on your sex life might be. This is what the effect on your partner might be. Then it wouldn't have been such a traumatic experience for us or anyone else experiencing the same because they would have gone into the surgery being informed, having accurate information, knowing what to expect afterwards. Because after surgery, you're not in any fit state really to be dealing with things like that. You, you, you're so kind of... You've got the post-general anaesthetic haze that sticks in your head for ages, doesn't Absolutely. it? You're in pain. Yeah. Especially in surgical menopause, which is instant, you're feeling all sorts of emotions. So just having that information on hand would have just been made it that little bit easier. Yeah. But also having a post-op checkup, somebody to just kind of say how are you doing how are you healing oh yeah i don't think either of us got that did we no i but i, didn't I mean did Stephen come to your appointments with you the appointments before yeah the appointments no be- i don't know um i don't think i don't think he did but I wouldn't think- it have been brilliant if at some point it sat us down as a couple. they would have said why don't you come as a couple and we'll talk you through all this 100 percent because like you know, a, a counselling session. Yeah, because mm. I think that would have that would have made. I mean, I know certainly that would have been hugely important and useful for Martin. Um, I'm sure for Stephen, it would have reassured him that you know, kind of, well, it's all right. She does still love me. She's just very sore, and I know everything that's happened, and I know why she's so sore, and I know what's going on in there. Um, I think. You know, as as we've spoken about before, you know, there was nowhere near enough information and support for Not us as individuals. But I don't know, there still seems to be, and I know our friend Sam Evans talks about this all the time, there just isn't enough talk amongst healthcare professionals with their patients about sex. No. It's kind of... It's, it's like, like the forbidden well, it, fruit. Exactly. People don't it's talk kind about. of it's something that you do. It's not something that we talk about. And it's like no, it must be something that we talk about mm-hmm. because for a lot of people, it's a vitally important part of their relationship and their health and well-being. And it needs to become okay to talk about. Yeah. And the more that people talk about it, a bit like with menopause, mm. the more people just feel able to have those conversations with their partners. Mm. It then improves their relationships because they've got that communication occurring that dialect going yeah where they're just a lot more open and that can then lead you to being close or exploring different ways of Mm. being intimate if Mm. you know intercourse isn't possible absolutely i mean we've mentioned before we'd absolutely love jane to come on to talk about her experience and sam evans (laughs) from What's um, Sam's? Is it Joe, Joe Divine? Joe Divine, yeah, which Joe is Divine. absolutely brilliant. You can find yeah. um, Sam on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, and all over. Yeah, she's got a great website, etc. But you know, sort of the way that the way that that lack of information um, left me feeling was the longer the longer I was um, avoiding any kind of intimacy. And we did talk about it, but the the longer I was avoiding it, the more guilty I felt. Mm. Because I felt, oh my goodness, this is going on. And because I was, the more it went on, the more worried I got about, oh my goodness, this has gone on for so long now, that I really think this probably will hurt. Mm. And particularly when it was really stinging to pee, <laughs> after the catheter came out, I thought, oh gosh, this is going to be awful. It can leave you feeling really insecure. Yes, I felt incredibly massively. insecure. And 
obviously because Steve and I hadn't been together long and we were only we were only in our 30s at the time mm. both of us I just kept thinking well why is he going to stick around for mm. this he's not he's not getting anything from me at the moment he mm. wasn't getting me talking to him because yep. I just shut down he wasn't getting any affection whatsoever mm. and also because my body had changed so much mm. you know post-surgery mm. you cannot exercise mm. Um, your stomach changes. Yep. Like for me, I've developed this like donut thing that I still have now. And I just look in the mirror and think, well, if I if I don't find myself attractive, then why why would he? Really affects your self confidence. Yeah, and obviously yeah. the menopause does that anyway. When you're feeling mm. hot, or your hair starts to fall out, or you can't have a conversation because you forget mid sentence what you're saying, yeah. or like with you, you don't want to leave the house or go on a date night. Mm. And actually, just do other things as a couple. Mm. Um, it, it just left me feeling so full of self doubt mm. that it then again made me think, well, no, I don't want him to see me naked. I don't. I don't want want him to see me like that. Mm. I'm disgusting. I'm repulsive. Mm. And then again, that's another isolation, isn't it? Mm. And I think now, you know, sort of now that I've not just about my own experience, but more generally, have learned so much more about it. You know, it makes me really sad because I look back and think, my goodness, I wonder how many women have struggled through, whether it's their physical symptoms, and nothing to do with surgery. I mean, you know, sort of in in an early or natural menopause. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder how many women have struggled through symptoms, whether they're physical, whether they're psychological, um, you know, whether they have thought that they had flown through menopause with no symptoms, then only to be faced with perhaps vaginal atrophy or repeated UTIs, which they might not even know are related to menopause. I wonder how many of those women, and conversely, and their partners, I wonder how many relationships have gone by the wayside because of those because of those symptoms Mm -hmm. that because they were never given the right information and it was never talked about and their partners were you know completely out of the loop because nobody taught them either it just makes you wonder how many how many that's happened to and how many that's happening to like literally now well you hear it you do hear it so often there's there's so many women that have found that their relationships have been hugely... They've either broken down, mm. which I just think is just so, so sad, mm. um, or they're under real strain now, mm. where they just said the distance has become too much, they've stopped communicating, mm. they they just feel... A lot, a lot of the women that I've spoken say that they feel like their partner resents them, mm. because they've just... Or their partner's then doubting their attractiveness or themselves, and... Or they're wondering, is there something else going on? Because they've withdrawn for me. <laughs> withdrawn And again, from if me, the information even. had been available yep. to say, this is what could happen, this yep. is what we would suggest you could do to help. It, it yeah, just the, make it so the much knowledge easier. thing is such a no-brainer, but it does make me wonder, you know, kind of, my goodness, you know, sort of how many, how many broken relationships have there been? And of course, we know that all sorts of things, you know, kind of, add up to that it's you know it's certainly not all menopause but on those symptoms alone 
um, and struggling to cope with it as an individual and then struggling to cope with it within a relationship, it does, it does make me wonder. And I know there'll never be any figures, but you have to think that, you know, sort of, even if I look at my own clients and the men and women and couples that come to see me, who tell me that they're struggling, you have to think that, you know, kind of it's played a part in the past. And as I say, it's probably still playing a part today just for the lack of some information. So you think when a, a woman goes to a doctor to, to ask for help and say, I'm experiencing these symptoms, they should say, how is your relationship? How is it impacting your relationship? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of, I know a lot of doctors still when women go to talk about menopause symptoms, don't talk about their relationships. They don't ask them about whether or not they're struggling with vaginal symptoms. No. Um, Or urinary symptoms. Um, And again, I think, you know, sort of it's this... um, I mean, I was was listening to a conversation the other day um, and a lot of doctors say that they just don't feel confident. They don't feel confident to ask about sex. They don't feel confident to ask about vaginas and vulvas. And it's like, oh, come on, seriously? You need them to be confident about asking those questions. Yeah. Because then it will make the patient that's in there confident to talk back about it. Absolutely. And sometimes it needs the doctor to say, you know, sort of, is this having an effect on this part of your life? Are you struggling with this? Even if it's just something as simple as a simple checklist you know, so that they can tick off and the doctor can then take it back and say, oh, I see you've had several UTIs or I see you're struggling with vaginal dryness. Um, Let's talk about what we can do to help you with that, you know, kind of what's the management for that. Mm. Um, So, yeah, you know, it just makes me really sad. I think it's it makes me desperately sad and makes me feel quite angry actually that I think so many people women are being failed. Yeah, it makes me really sad and it makes me even more determined that we are going to change it. Which is why the Make Menopause Matter campaign is just so important, crucially important. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. You know, I think I think we must make this difference um, because this just can't be allowed to go on. It's ridiculous. If anyone would like to contact us about their experience of. Uh, the ups and downs of relationships with menopause (laughs) then please do so again our email is hello at menopause podcast no hello menopause podcast at hotmail.com i do not know what is wrong with me i think i'm gonna pass over email addresses to diane bless your heart um so i think we should end on we should end on a positive Mm -hmm. um because i think certainly for both of us there is a huge positive yeah in that it has been tricky. Yeah, is it fair to say? Definitely. There been have tricky. been ups and downs mm-hmm. um, relationship-wise. Yes. Um, but, you know, I think, uh, I'll speak for me, it did take me, it probably took me, I don't know, over a year um, to be in a place where I thought, okay, I can think about sex again. <laughs> um about being patient isn't it it is about being patient it's about keeping the lines of communication open Mm. absolutely it's about recognizing as you said earlier that sex doesn't have to be about penetration Mm -hmm. there is so much more and actually i think very often we kind of that stuff all gets glossed over and you know there's so much pleasure to be taken 
from all that other stuff without penetration yeah absolutely yeah um i think there's so much pleasure that can be taken from that um but you know sort of it it does come back um once you've got i mean for me that was about getting the right hormone replacement therapy on board same with me it's not the same for everybody but for me that's definitely what it was about um, it was about having support. It was definitely about communication. You know, I bang on about communication in my, pri- you know, in my practice um, and in my work. Um, but there's no doubt about it. I think it's it's the foundation upon which which everything is built. If if you have the right knowledge, mm-hmm. um, and I think the right knowledge allows us as individuals and as couples to make informed decisions. Definitely. Um, and I think that that's what will make the difference about empowering people to be able to talk about it rather than where we are now. Where Knowledge sex is, is power. Yeah, where sex is something you do, not something we talk about. And yes, it absolutely should be something you do, but it absolutely should be something we talk about. I think definitely communication is key. And Stephen, I remember Stephen saying that post-op, he said, um, I quite often gave him reassurance so I'd say look I know I'm not being affectionate I know I can't bear to be cuddled but just so you know I love you and I think you're gorgeous and mm. kind of always just kind of reassuring him in that time that I'm still here mm. but I'm just not available I used to say shop closed <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that cool Should I have shared that I'm not sure <laughs> but isn't that cool that you had a language that you both understood yeah and you see that's a really personal thing isn't it you know that's something okay up until about 50 seconds ago that was a very very personal thing (laughs) between the two of you you've now just shared it with the world um but it was something but isn't that cool that you had a language that he understood that we could laugh about exactly lovely yeah i think being able to laugh about it or even Mm. like if you're trying to have sex or trying to be intimate and then you know you experience pain or discomfort of just being able to say do you know what darling I'm really sorry mm. but this I just I just can't do this today yeah. um and just being able to actually speak up and say and I mm. think it's so key to a successful relationship and a healthy relationship yeah absolutely um I think it has to be the way forward doesn't it not always easy and maybe something that we have to learn conversations can be awkward (laughs) oh yes but I think you know and they can be really difficult for couples to kind of sit and be that frank with one another but it really does make all the difference yeah I mean something that I've done with quite a lot of my couple clients is actually get them to write something to each other if they really feel that they can't articulate it verbally is to actually get them to write it down because it gives them more than one chance to say what they really want to say so sometimes they end up surrounded by bits of scrunched up paper I always um, send links as well to Stephen if yeah. I see a good article or something I'll just yeah. ping it his way and say like just have a read yeah. of this yeah and you know I think you've said this before but just letting them know that whatever's going on for you you really appreciate them and that you do still love them because as much as we want to hear that when we're going through a rubbish time they need to hear that too because they're probably not sharing that with anybody either no definitely oh well as always we hope you have a fantastic week absolutely and we'll see you next time and Soph you're going to get the contact details right aren't you (laughs) Yep. Hello, menopause podcast at hotmail.com. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> finally or on instagram the underscore menopause underscore podcast yeah so we'll see you next time and have a good week and bye from me and take care lovelies bye <laughs>